Acts 1. Did anybody see the uh, post on Facebook that Dominic put up concerning tonight? Did anybody see that? Okay, so you don't know what we're going to... Did you see it, Bambi? So you're not going to know what it is if you didn't see the post. But here's what I believe the Lord wants us to look at. Look at Acts 1. And this is primarily for believers tonight. So you might want to chew really good before you swallow. It might be a little meaty. But look here, we need meat, right? Acts 1 and verse 8, this is one of the last things Jesus said just before he floated up into heaven on the clouds of glory. Jesus said to his disciples, but you, my followers, shall receive power. I like the sound of that, don't you? (laughs) We are not powerless in this crazy dark world. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost. Now notice, not as come in you. Come in you is an experience. It's called being born again. This is the Holy Ghost coming upon you for service, for, with power. Now, what's the primary reason the Holy Ghost comes on us? What's the primary reason we get filled with the Spirit and speak with other tongues and move in that direction? What's the primary reason? Now, there's a lot of reasons, but what's the primary reason we're filled with the Holy Spirit and power? And you shall be witnesses unto me, Jesus said. You shall be witnesses unto me. In other words, you're going to be an influence for me and you're not going to be alone in it because my spirit's going to be on you and you're going to have power to do this thing right. You know, when when, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, witnessing is not only fun, it's easy. I'm going to share something in just a few minutes about when Billy Graham went to heaven. I read a prophecy and I think it's really powerful, but when Billy Billy Graham was probably the greatest evangelist our generation has ever seen. I don't think anybody has gotten more people saved than Billy Graham. Oral Roberts was very close. If, I don't know the exact figures. But, um, but Billy Graham had an evangelistic anointing on him, a mantle from heaven, if you will, an ability and an endowment from on high on his life to do what he did. He was anointed. His, he filled up stadiums everywhere he went. Stadiums. And people get saved. Just how many tens of millions of people saved it might even got up to 100 million or more before he left the earth. Well, that, he's gone. But you know what? God doesn't want the anointing on his life leaving the earth round with him because there's no evangelism needed in heaven. So what happens to that anointing after the man that had that anointing went to heaven? What happens to that coat or that mantle? It doesn't go to heaven with them. There's no need to get people saved in heaven. There's no unsaved people in heaven. What happens to that amazing anointing? Well, we'll look at 2 Kings in just a minute. What happened when Elijah's mantle fell on Elisha? Because it's a very similar happening. But the thing we want to talk about first is Jesus said the Holy, the whole, one of the main reasons we need to be interested in and filled with the Holy Spirit, not just born of the Spirit. Now, born of the Spirit is all it takes to get to heaven. But we, we, we need to be thinking more about Oh, I got a ticket to heaven, so that's all there is. That's not all there is. There's one thing better than going to heaven. And it's bringing somebody else with you. And when you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you have the power he's talking about here, it's a lot easier to help people go to heaven with you. The power is primarily to be a witness for Jesus. Witness, help make disciples, get people saved, come to the Lord. Now notice what he said here. A witness unto me both in Jerusalem. 
I like the way the Lord starts out here. He didn't just say, go anywhere you want to go, go to the farthest ends of the earth, do whatever you want to do. <clears throat> he said, if it don't work here, it ain't going to work 5,000 miles away. Right. If you're not helping people here, how are you going to help people 5,000 miles away? Come on. <clears throat> I mean, it's a lot harder 5,000 miles away. But he said, it starts in your Jerusalem. Now, our Jerusalem is what? Grand Junction. And then he said, go from Jerusalem into all Judea, which would be like Mesa County or Colorado. Samaria could be likened unto the United States, our country. And then he says, the uttermost parts of the earth. That's our commission. The biggest thing in our life needs to be this. And like I already said, many are, most people are called to a non-preaching ministry like I'm doing right now. We've got to get this out of our mind that if I'm going to be in a full-time ministry, I've got to be like, Pastor, no, 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 no. There's more parts of the body than the mouth. You know, I mean, there's a lot of parts that the body needs for the mouth to even do any good. It doesn't have any legs to take you to the right place, you know, or fingers to push buttons on your computer or audio or video or whatever. I mean... Listen, if you're, if you're an eye in the body of Christ, be thankful. Don't try to be the hand. Amen. Right? Don't, don't try, if you're the harm, don't try to be the foot. Accept the fact that's your place. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. And then the blessings start increasing. So, one of the things I want to talk, I had a staff meeting with the staff a few days ago, a couple days ago, about some things Carla and I have been implementing into our life and we want to share some of those things with you because we've seen some tremendous results. And before I get to the personal testimony, though, I want to say this. Is it, is it we just go as far away as we can to a third world nation and start preaching the gospel? Or do we start right where we're at? Being a witness, being an influence. I like saying it that way, being an influence for Jesus right where you're at. And it's not hard to do if you're filled with Jesus. And so, you know, scraping the bottom of the barrel like, okay, I got a witness to no, it's not I got to, it's we get to. And that's why being filled with the Spirit is so important because when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, all these got to's, you know, like I got to go to church. I got to pray, turn to get to's. I get to go to church. I get to pray. I get to be a witness. So I, I think a lot of people are struggling with depression. And I'm not saying this is the only reason by any means. But I think one of the reasons people are struggling with depression because they know they're called to do something they're not doing. Amen. They're not making a difference in other people's lives like they know on the inside they, they, they're called to do. I don't think it's rebellion. I think it's lack of teaching maybe and lack of understanding of why they're here. And that's why we taught on that for a few weeks, a couple months, a month or so ago on Sunday morning. Why are you here? Well, you're not here just to take up space. You're not here just because, you know, somebody had sex and you're here. You're, you're here because God saw you here and he's already got a plan for you being here. No matter how you got here, he loves you and he's got a great plan for your life. And I wanted to emphasize the fact that our world right now is most probably for all of us in here is not across the ocean. It's probably across the street. Right. I mean, if you're afraid and nervous and can't witness to somebody across the street, how in the world can God send you 5,000 miles away where it might be just a little rougher? Right. 
right? <laughs> Let alone just being that far away from home and people that you love. So Jesus said, our own city is to be first. So look at Acts 18. And I want to read a couple of verses here. Acts chapter 18, we're going to read verse 9 through 11. Jesus sees cities as a mission field. Cities. Not, not just poor cities, not just cities that, you know, don't have a lot of churches. Jesus loves people everywhere. Do you realize people might look good on the outside, but they're lost on the inside? So look at Acts 18. The Lord spoke this to us as a church not too long ago. This is again, Jesus is appearing to Paul. And the, then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision. This is what the Lord said to Paul. Don't be afraid. This is the first thing you have to overcome when it comes to being an effective witness for Jesus. Don't be afraid. What if I get rejected? Don't be afraid. Jesus said, I'll be with you. What if they get mad? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, but speak and hold not your peace. Let's look at two more verses. For Jesus said, for I am with you, even though you don't feel he's there. You need to believe he's there helping you. And no man, Jesus said, will set on you to hurt you. For I have much people in this city. And he continued there a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. Jesus said, I have much people in this city. What does that mean? It means he has many people in that city who are not yet believers that he knows will be believers if we'll reach them. How many of you know the Lord knows who's ready to receive him? The Lord knows who will say yes to him. Do you know, as far as Faith Heights Church, do you realize there are scores and scores of people all over this valley that would love this body of people right here? They just don't know about us yet. There's people hurting. There's people contemplating suicide. There's people that are sick. There's people that are depressed all over this valley who would love and be helped greatly by this church. They just don't know we're here yet. Now, and there's some out there may have heard some things about us or about our church, and they may have heard wrong things about us. Well, that doesn't matter as long as we're all telling them the truth and showing them the truth. I look at it this way. When people come to this church, they are coming to the Lord. Because we, not me, not you, but we are the body of Christ and members in particular. And so I like the phrase that God said, I, uh, Jesus said, I have much people in this city. I believe he's telling us that church. He has much people in this city. Now, I said earlier, just a few moments ago, that a lot of people are depressed because they're, they, they're not operating in what they know in their heart they're called to operate in. And like I said, it's not really a rebellion thing. I just think they don't know them. They haven't been taught properly. But there's a scripture in Isaiah that says, when you start helping people like the Lord wants you to, your darkness... Depression will become as noonday. One of the greatest medicines to overcome depression is help other people according to God's will for your life. If something about it, darkness begins to flee, light gets longer and longer instead of it just being, you know, a good time every hour, every other week. It's now two days and, and now it's stretching to three days. Pretty soon you'll start living in a light 
that you didn't know before. And it has a lot to do with getting in the will of God for your life. Okay, so let me give you some statistics about our valley. Because this is, I, I kind of was thinking what the title is. Did you have that little JPEG that I sent you? Let's see if it, if it speaks. Um, I had like three titles for this message. Now, one of them was, The World is Here. You know, go to all the world and preach the gospel. It's right here. You don't know how many people I have talked to in my 30-some years of pastoring, 32 years of pastoring. You don't know how many people I've talked to who still sense or seem in their heart like, you know, Pastor, I just, one of these days, I know I'm going to get out there and do great things for the Lord. And they're serving on the helps team. They're, they don't realize, but they're already doing great things in God's mind for him. Great to God is not what's great to us. We think great is, you know, going 5,000 miles away or preaching in front of thousands of people or, you know, great is doing what you're called to do. And not everybody is called to, to certain ministries that other people are. Very, very few people in the church are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Most people's high calling is in support of those ministries. And they get the same rewards because without the support, those ministries couldn't do anything. Right. Duh, right? Of course, we're gonna, of course, if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you're going to receive the same reward the prophet gets. Of course you are. Why? Because the prophet can't do what the prophet's supposed to do without somebody supporting them so they can do what they're supposed to do. Of course you'd get a prophet's reward. You receive a righteous man in the name of a righteous man, you're going to receive a righteous man's reward. It's not so much what you're doing, it's who you're doing it for that entails these rewards. So this up here, see the little circle up there, Grand Junction? Every city is a mission field. We need to get mission... so you may think, well, I, I thought I was just in training. You're on the field. Yeah. This is it. You have arrived. And if there's more, it'll only come if we're faithful here now. For some, there might not be any more. And rewards are not based on for doing a whole bunch of stuff. Rewards are based on for being faithful for what, in what he's called you to do. I know this. I've seen a problem in the church where a lot of people decide, I'm going to do this for the Lord. And it's totally different from what the Lord wants them to do for him. I'm going to start this church for the Lord. And the Lord never even called him to start a church. Well, I'm going to do this for the Lord. How about instead of doing what you think you want to do for the Lord, find out from him what he wants you to do for him. That's where life becomes sweet. You're not choking, are you? So let me read you some statistics about the valley we live in, the Grand Valley. And this is, uh, man, this is recent. This is January 4th, 2019. So we got some updated statistics on the suicide uh, thing for sure here. So let me just read this to you. And you might have some of these up on the screen. January 4th, 2019, Colorado consistently ranks in the top 10 states for the highest suicide rate. Now, these people that did the study hope that this study will find the best ways to address the issue. Think about this. That's terrible. Now, I don't like to confess this day in and day out because I don't believe it's staying this way. These statistics are going down. You say, oh, pastor, just believe that there's no more suicides. Listen, my faith isn't there. These are some powerful things at work here, but I'm believing it's decreasing. And I got to thinking, why do people commit suicide? I think there's one common denominator of why people, somebody would want to take their life. 
they're meditating on some kind of bad news. Right. What are we called to do? What are we called to do, church? We're called to preach the good news, but not only preach in word. I like to say it this way. We need to preach the good news at all times. And if necessary, use words. They should be seeing the goodness of God in our life. They should be seeing the joy, the peace, the victory, the hey, they didn't break when most people break. They got through this. Most people don't get through. They're getting through this without medication by praying and seeking God and They need to be seeing the goodness of God in our life because the Bible says it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. It's not the anger of the Lord. It's the goodness of God. We need to be preaching the good news. David said, God, your gentleness has made me great. The world needs us. This valley needs us giving them the good news by precept an example. Here's what I'm saying, and here's how it worked for me. Witnesses, you've witnessed something. You're not a hearsay person. Well, so-and-so said, no, I know personally he did it for me. He did it for me. I was lost. Now I'm found. I was depressed. Now I have a peace the world didn't give and can't take away. Hmm? So I thought, this is awful. So you know what we got to do? We got to reach this valley. This that's a mission field. Let's get more specific. Do you have the next slide up there? Uh, um, they did the study. It says we have good, healthy. It says when we have good, healthy, trusting relationships, we're more likely to reach out for help when we need it. So I thought of this. So their studies right now is all coming down to this. If these people who are depressed and thinking about taking their life, if they had some good, healthy, trusting relationships, somebody to talk to. Somebody to relate to, or can I say this? Somebody to pray with, somebody who knows the scriptures can share good news with them. Huh? And you don't even have to say, oh, this is in the Bible. You can just start talking out of what you know is in the scriptures and minister. I thought, man, this is this is us. We we can do this. This is powerful. Did you know that? And now I think there's another uh, slide I'll put up there in just a minute. Do you know the number one reason people come to church times two by any other reason? is because a Christian befriends them and brings them. I call it friendship evangelism. Now there's power evangelism, signs and wonders evangelism. I want them all. But while we're waiting and believing for those other things, how about we get into neighborhood evangelism or friendship evangelism? Hmm? Do you know soul winners have to be healed? Makes sense, right? I mean, I mean, if you got a problem holding you back from soul winning and you have more on your heart to be a soul winner more than anything else, how many know your face is going to rise up and, and yeah. kick some stuff out that shouldn't be there? So that was by Sarah Robinson. Uh, you can read up there who that's from. Now, let's look at the other slide. Um, according to the study... Do you have it up there? Yeah. More Coloradoans die of suicide than homicide, motor vehicle crash, diabetes, and breast cancer. It's the second leading cause of death for those 10 to 34. This is a very recent study. That's not right, you guys. I mean, 
car crashes and diabetes, some of those things. But this one, this should be totally preventable. Totally preventable. That, that should disturb us. It should move us to compassion. So let me just read this to you. Um, I went on Google and I was looking at this and it you know, fell into these statistics. But then there's a, a thing called feedthemental.com. It's another professional site that does... Here, here's what they said. Grand Junction, suicide capital of America. Now, not only do we need to say no in Jesus' name and pray in tongues over that, we do need to start thinking about our mission field and start reaching out. Because you may reach out to somebody who wasn't suicidal, who three more people down the road is, and now you're reaching out to them, connected to them, and now they... You see what I'm saying? Now, suicide's a big problem, but there's an even bigger problem. People who aren't saved. People who aren't even born again. People who are going to miss heaven if they leave the earth without what we have. I remember we, we do ask the pastor, we're going to start those up again. It's not going to be every day. I think it's going to be Tuesday and Thursday. But I remember the question came in, if a, Christian, or if a person commits suicide or a Christian who was a Christian, will they go to heaven? And, you know, it's a tough question because that's a very sensitive area, but... I personally believe that if a Christian commits suicide, they go straight to heaven. Because why wouldn't you go to heaven if a sickness in your mind killed you? But you would go to heaven if a sickness in your stomach killed you. Sickness is sickness. And if somebody, because let's face it, if you take your own life, there's something not right up here. There's oppression, there's depression, something up here is not right. And if a person takes their own life and they are a believer, well, that sickness would be like a sickness in the stomach. Of course people go to heaven if they die of a sickness in their stomach if they're believers. So if that needs to relieve anybody's thoughts there. Let's put up on the screen. Well, before you do that, let's go to 2 Kings chapter 2. 2 Kings 2, Old Testament. It's awesome to think that we have the answer. Isn't that awesome to think? I mean, what we have in us right now, in, in the scriptures, right, what we have as a church is the answer to everybody's problem in this entire valley. Now, if they don't receive our help, even Jesus can't help them. People have to right. receive the help of the Lord. But we got the answer. Every time I hear of a tragedy in our valley, I think, Lord, what can I do to help prevent that in the future? Because I know I got the power. I know, I know, I he says, just be more led by the Spirit, be more prayed up, be more spiritual than worldly. And if that happens, or, or how many think it'd be good to prevent some of these things and just be the ambulance? They're always cleaning up. I'd rather prevent. I like preventative ministry. Do you like preventative ministry? That's called being led by the Spirit, praying in the Spirit, and dealing with things before there's any sign in the natural of something bad happening. You already got it fixed in the Spirit. So let's um, look at 2 Kings chapter 2. And I want to tell you a little bit more about this Billy Graham anointing. In chapter 2, in verse, this is such a powerful story. We don't have time to read it all right now. But let's look at verse 11 through 14. It came to pass as they still went on. Now this is Elijah, the master, and Elisha, his, his servant, right. What, what, do they, what do they call him like in Star Wars? The, 
Uh, the master and the apprentice? Thank you. Thank you. Padawan. Okay. What was Obi-Wan Kenobi? When? Okay. Thank you, Yoda. Hey, he does an amazing Yoda. We'll do it on some family day sometime. But anyway, Elijah, the master, is saying to the Padawan, right, as they still went on and talked, that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire. This is heaven's taxi service. And horses of fire and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. This is a uh, rapture. This is a rapture. So Elijah's going up to heaven. And Elisha's still on the earth seeing all this. A whirlwind into heaven. Next verse. And Elisha saw it and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. Elijah, this is interesting. Elijah was gone bodily. Now when a a Christian dies, their body goes to the earth, their spirit goes to heaven until the rapture and then they'll receive their immortal body. But there's three people that I know of, maybe four. Moses is a mystery, okay? But there's at least three people we know in heaven that are in physical glorified bodies, flesh and bone. Jesus, he rose from the dead physically as well as spiritually. Elijah, this chariot took him bodily, right? Enoch, he walked with God and was not, for God took him. For before his translation... He had this testimony that he pleased God. I believe the church, just before the rapture, is going to have the same testimony of Enoch, that by faith, Enoch was translated. By faith, the church will be translated. Because we'll have had this testimony that we please God. All right, so we've got Jesus in heaven with a glorified body, Elijah and Enoch, and we're thinking maybe Moses. Because the devil and Michael, the archangel, contended about the body of Moses. And uh, uh, Michael just finally said, the Lord rebuke you. So Moses might have. Because they, they really can't, didn't know where he was buried. They was like, even, even Michael, the archangel, and Lucifer himself didn't know. I have a feeling God might have just said, come on bodily up here with me, Moses. Yeah. So look on here. The horseman there. Next He took hold of his own clothes. I'm sorry. And then he took up also the mantle of Elijah. Elisha took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him when he went up in the chariot and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. Next verse. And Elisha took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters of this river and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had also smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither. (laughs) And Elisha went over. That's a miracle. And Elisha actually did twice as many miracles as Elijah because he said, Lord, he said, my, my master, because he, Elijah said, listen, you have followed me like glue. I told you you could stay over here at the hotel. You wanted to be with me in ministry. I told you three times you could stay here and rest, but you said you wanted to be right, right by my side. He said, you know what? What do you want me to do for you? You've been a faithful, faithful, faithful servant. He said, I want one thing. He said, I want a double portion of what's on you. 
the anointing, the mantle, the empowerment from heaven. And Elijah said, "Uh, son, you've asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I leave the earth, it'll happen. You'll get a double portion. And he did. And you read through the scripture, he did like twice as many miracles. Elisha, I mean, even when Elisha was dead, they, they threw a dead man in his grave. And just Elisha's bones got the man resurrected from the dead. The soldier that they threw in there rose from the dead. So still doing miracles while he's in heaven. You know, his bones are getting people healed. But it's so interesting here because he got the mantle. And I wanted to say that about Billy Graham before we close. And one, one other thing. Elisha got the anointing. And this one guy, I thought it was interesting. And I don't know who this is. And I, I, I have the Holy Spirit, though. I, you know, you, I, I sense there's some truth to this. He said this. His name is... Uh, Jared Lasky, I think. He said, it's, do we have this one on the screen? Do we have the, uh... yep. all right. It's not for just one person, this anointing that fell from, that Billy Graham had on his life. But it's for a generation. The anointing for revival is for a generation that hungers and thirsts for righteousness. is for a generation that knows Jesus intimately. So it's not just for anybody that wants to you know, build a church and make some money or whatever. This is for people that really want to get people to the Lord. I'm believing for I've seen it in our lives. We've seen it in our lives. We've, it's amazing how easy it is right now if you'll just step out, believe the Lord's empowered you, and expect things to happen. People are more hungry than they're saying. They don't know how to say it anyway. What are they going to say? Um... Hey, Christian, um, I'm really hungry for God. Can you help me out? That's not how they interpret it. They're just something on the inside that's not right. There's just something on the inside that's unfulfilled. And they have to hear it from us. And I want to say this when it comes to witnessing. Witness, understand how I say this. Witness according to things that interest them, not just what interests you. Jesus went to the woman at the well, right? And he started talking to her about what was on her mind, not just what was on the Lord's mind. What was on her mind? Water. Water. I'm drowning water out here. And Jesus said, give me a drink. And she says, uh, you know, well, we're not supposed to have any communications. I'm a Samaritan. You're a Jew and all that. And so he gets her saved according to what she's interested in. It wasn't just a preacher saying, drop that picture, woman. Don't you know I'm the Son of God? You don't want to go to hell, do you? No. Or, or, you need to come to my church. You need to come to my church. How about we just make friends? Yes. How about we add something to our already in-progress lifestyle and put some oomph in it and some awareness that I'm not just on the job to make money. I'm here for the King of kings and Lord of lords. Yeah, I'm going to work hard, going to have integrity, going to be faithful, going to come early, going to stay late, going to work like the person I'm working for is Jesus himself. But my highest call is that I be a good influence for the Lord and adorn the gospel of God by being a really good employee. Hmm? People, sometimes Christians, they... Well, you know, I, I got a boss and they're ungodly, so I'm, I'm not going to submit to them. Well, you're disobeying Scripture because the Bible says if you're an employee, you're supposed to submit to your employer as if that employer was Jesus. 
He even said you're supposed to submit even if your employer is harsh. Why? Because we're Christians. We have backbones, right? We are strong. We, We control our emotions. We don't freak out. One of the best things you can do on the job is be the best employee they got. That will bring somebody to church quicker than just sloughing around and, you know, taking longer breaks than you should and stealing pencils from the office and taking them home. And what's that called? Blowing your witness. That's what that's called. It's interesting that it says in First Peter, and the Lord was revealing this to me because um, I, was, I was actually thinking about the scripture that Sarah obeyed Abraham calling him Lord whose daughters ye are, if you're not afraid with any amazement. I'm sure it's quiet in here. <laughs> Do you know my wife? Can I say this? No. Uh, I can't? Okay, I respect you. I will say it. Can I or no? I'll wait on it. No, we'll, we'll wait on it. So I was thinking about the scripture. Um, Sarah obeyed Abraham, her husband calling him Lord, small l. <laughs> Danielle's looking at Carla. Oh, Jesus. Um, but I backed up a few verses. I backed up a few verses. You know what it said? It said that, wives, if your husband is not living right, don't preach to him. You can win them by your manner of life. You know, being a Christian, being, you know, not being walked on, but being a believer, having, you know, having Christian character in your life and, you know, not compromising your faith in God. And then the next, then go on and down, it kind of talks about what he meant by that. He meant, do you know, I heard that the number one, all things being equal, the number one thing men need or crave from their wives is respect. It's like, Women crave chocolate. No, what do you? What do you what? <laughs> um, they women crave love, and and they they really crave security. And um, but men, they like they like need respect. Like, honey, would you praise me for a while? <laughs> I'm kidding. But no, it's, it, <laughs> can you get the fan and the grapes right about now? Oh, I adore you. <laughs> no, actually, actually. Um, why did I say all that? Oh, I, because I'm the preacher and I can preach whatever I want. No, actually, what I was saying is when it comes to the employee and the employer relationship, a lot of times people will come to church more because of who you are than what you say. Right? Preach the gospel at all times. And if necessary, use words. That's talking about a lifestyle that attracts people to the Lord. Actually, it says that if you're an employee... You should be a really good hard worker because when you're, when you're a really good hard worker on the job, you adorn the gospel of Christ. You make it look awesome. You make it look like, wow, where do you go to church? And this doesn't mean we don't invite and this doesn't mean we don't bring and this doesn't mean we don't break the ice and say, hey, but there's timing involved. And when you're filled with the spirit, you know what that timing is. In closing, I would like to say, well, actually, we do have next week, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> 
So let me just tell you what, what we might get into next week. We've got some personal testimonies we want to share. Carl and I want to share about how we've learned some of these things, even in the last nine I mean, we've learned these things all 32 years, but in the last nine months or so, we have seen some things happen in our lives and in our neighborhoods that's absolutely a move of God. And this is interesting, but I'll close with this. We, um, you know, we, we like nice houses. You know, we like um, nice houses. <laughs> Who doesn't, right? We, we recently moved from a house to another house. And we actually scaled down when we didn't have to. And we're kind of doing this whole thing. You know, our, our kids moved in this neighborhood. We're kind of doing our own thing. And, and we're kind of like just, you know, just taking these steps. Like, you know, a good man's steps are order to the Lord. You're just kind of going with the flow. And, and we end up in this beautiful neighborhood called Copper Creek. Meet all these amazing people. And I was thinking, and we'll give you some testimony maybe next week on that. But amazing things have been happening in our neighborhood. We started up a Bible study. It's like God shows up every Sunday night in our house. It's amazing. The friendships, the love, the things that are being developed. And it's so interesting because I thought, Lord, why did we do this? We thought, you know, well, we're looking at all these natural reasons we did this. And I'm thinking, you know what? I think the Lord wanted us to do it. And since we want his perfect will, if you want his perfect will more than anything, there's times you're moved by the spirit and you don't even know it. You just find yourself, it's a beautiful home, it's awesome neighborhood, but we could have done something different. And if we would have been thinking more about personal satisfaction, like, you know, square footage and things like that, we probably wouldn't be here right now. And if we weren't here, there's some things the Lord's doing in our neighborhood that are absolutely eternal and life changing. And we want to share that with you. We want to give you some ideas. And I'll, I'll even say to you, be open. Be open to where you live. Be open. Kind of, kind of draw a line between what you want and what would really help the kingdom and people around you. Pretty soon it doesn't matter. Pretty soon some of these things. And like I said earlier, when these things mean less to us, I think the Lord can add more to us. But we're just we're so open right now. I, think, I say, Carla, I think the Lord wanted us to move here. I think it wasn't because uh, of what we liked physically about it or the Lord had a plan and a mission for our lives. And it's unfolding and it's powerful. I'll tell you what, I'll move into any size house in any neighborhood he, he wants me to if I'm going to see results like this. I was counting the other day, 13 people. This is, this is less than a year. Year won't be till June or July. There's 13 people that come to this church now in less than a year from our neighborhood. Oh, two of them from the house we sold. And more have come that have come a few times. And I'm thinking, what's going on? I'm a pastor. I, but I guess you don't have to be an evangelist to receive that anointing. It'll just be there if you want to help people. Oh, there's nothing like it, guys. Just to see what God can do if you just expand your thinking and be more open. Can I get a witness? Amen. All right. Amen.